main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Eerie Americas. This is Vicky Ayala. Nice intro. This is Christy Hull. What's going on? Christy just told me that we were talking about like our recording volumes. Oh, man, my recording volume was at like 100%. No wonder I'm so freaking loud today. And she was like, it's probably better because every time you start an episode, you talk like this. And she doesn't know why, because I'm super loud normally. And I'm just like, I don't know. I think I'm still shy when we start these episodes. You do start off really shy. Three seasons in, guys, I still don't have it together. I am sorry. I just will never. We love you for all of your crazy madness. And in turn goes with what I have to say. No, really nothing and go right into the episode. No. Happy birthday, Vicky. She's trying to pretend that it's not her birthday, but it is her fucking birthday when this episode drops. We love you. Happy birthday. You are the best co-host friend I could ask for and that's all I'm gonna say about it because it's embarrassing to you right now for some reason I'm not even looking at Christy right now (laughs) like we're on zoom and I'm like not even looking at her and if everyone wants to sing her happy birthday go for it I one thing I'm gonna say about this though is that I hate the birthday song I don't know if people know this about me it's terrible First of all, my thing about it is it starts on a flat note. So right away, it just sounds awful. It's meant to sound awful. It's not meant to sound good. It doesn't make you feel good that it's your birthday. Maybe it's just me because like I just. It's like the minute you hear it, it's like. Yeah, I just hear like (laughs) Janice from Friends instantly. No matter who starts, I just hear that. And there's so many better ones. The Beatles, my favorite one, Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. That's the why he made it, I think, because it's one. terrible. Why don't? Why can't we make that the national one? Because I, I, I hate that old school, boring, flat, awful one. Everyone, stop using so that if everybody's one. Everybody's gonna sing me Happy Birthday. Please do the Stevie Wonder version. Or even the Beatles one. You know, that's a good one too. That's a, like I know it's not as popular, but that's what I like about it too. Like I don't know if the UK uses that one, and and they've discredited the happy birthday song but i yeah, hate that to, happy um, birthday song I we need it. to update the birthday song stevie wonder that's my vote terrible it's awful but thank you very very much um i appreciate it i'm 35 it's weird we wanted to go see a, a quiet place too i'm gonna actually see it today because it's a wednesday and nobody's gonna be and then ryan is taking me to dinner i've been really craving seafood but i mean like king crab legs yeah, lobster man. shrimp like and you know that shit's super expensive so for i can get it for my hey, you deserve it my brother and my sister are joining me so we're all gonna go out to dinner forward to all the festivities a semi-normal birthday i mean like my whole thing is do i get to turn 34 again because i feel like last year didn't count i wish all of us could start over i wish we could have one year back i should just be 34 again yeah like, why do i have to turn 35 but we're going to get into this episode because Christy has been taunting me all week, telling me how amazing this episode and really is. really long. But also how long it is. You know, we normally don't do long episodes, but you're going to have to grin and bear it today. Hey, you're so going to like it. You will like it. Anyway. We're down to every other um, week. You can listen to us a little longer, okay? <laughs> right? So it's like you had a whole week of not listening to us. So think of it as two episodes in one. So I have a Reddit. There's been a lot of talk about like UFOs lately. Yes, because, there you know, has. The, the government's now confirming that they exist. And now you hear from all like the Navy pilots and all people. So I decided to look on Reddit and be like, hmm, let's see about alien encounters. And of course, you know, there's all these subreddits and stuff. So there's one from 71 days ago. So uh, it's funny because I was looking through a bunch of these and there's some from like four days ago, five days ago, 20 days ago. So you're going to hear more are, and more about it. You're gonna, because people are going to be more open about it now that the government is confirming it. And it's not so weird if you say that you did it. From the Reddit um, group Alien Encounters, and this is from DapperGain6990 from 71 days ago, and it's titled Alien Encounter? My sister and I were sleeping one night, and I was woken up. I don't know by what, but I was able to wake my sister up as well. The room was dark, but I distinctly remember seeing two soldier-like decorated generals at the side of our beds, similar to drawings of um, other aliens. Um, once I woke my sister up, a portal opened up on my side of the bed, along with a vessel that we hopped into and a track. My sister and I both woke up remembering this experience and we still do to this day. I can remember it all. She says she remembers them being extremely kind and saying stuff like, let's go have fun. Just really warm, inviting and everything. We went into the vessel, which was like a ride. I just remember it being like the Peter Pan ride. It's a small world ride in Disney, I guess. 
And then when the ride was over, I don't remember much more. I always used to look down at the ground in amusement park rides to know if they were real. I don't know why I did that, but I remember looking down at the ground and it was so real and detailed. I can't remember much about the ride, but it was bright and vivid with flowers. I live very close to NASA and have seen a TR-3B. Never had any more experiences like that afterwards, but yeah, thought I'd get some insight on what you guys think this might have been. Feel free to ask my, any questions for clarification. And someone answered and said, do you feel like if you asked them to come back, they would? Me and my fiance just had an interesting experience. I just feel like... Maybe they remembered this one, but this seems like it could have happened before and they just happened to remember this one. And they both, you very rarely hear people having like joint encounters and remembering the same details as the other person. I'm going to say too is like, it's really rare that two siblings share the same memory unless they sat there and coached each other. But it doesn't sound like that's the case because the experience sounds like other people's experiences where it just seems like certain people are chosen to just get on ufo rides and it doesn't sound like i mean some people say it's from experimentation and other people have said it just was like them kind of giving you a tour so it, i think it i i do believe in different breeds of aliens the same way there are different races and different things and like right. and i feel like sometimes people have stories where the where the aliens seem intimidating and i kind of like that this one wasn't i kind of because i feel like listen you can't the same way that i feel like it's very arrogant to think that we're the only intelligent life in the universe i also think that we can't sit here thinking that everyone else is evil and we're just great so i'm glad that this was something like oh let's go have fun like they were friends it reminds me of mothman with adrian cold it's right it, it, like maybe it's that same breed of aliens or i don't even like i don't i wish there was another word for aliens because aliens has i don't like it uh, yeah i've never liked it other beings otherworldly we're other just gonna beings? go with otherworldly yeah, yeah i don't like the word beings. alien right like just because they're foreign to us doesn't make them like aliens because right. we're aliens to them we're all so. drifting in space so but like i kind of i just like that one because i feel like it wasn't super like oh my god that's so crazy but it was just kind of calming and like okay maybe not everything out there is insidious and like wants to attack our assumption as, a, as humans is that there's always a threat to everything. Well, I think our assumptions as pe people from Earth is we just think we're the center of everything and everybody just wants something from us. And it's like, dude, I guarantee you we're the least intelligent <laughs> thing out there. I can promise you. Being someone's frenemy sounds cute and can be patronizing. And to some, it sounds like an oxymoron. How can you be a friend and also be an enemy? Before the term was even named, you can ask any teenage girl if it's possible to both admire and resent a friend. Many will reluctantly admit it does exist. Especially among women. Yeah. Throw in a love interest into the mix and things oh, get vicious yeah. real fast. That's what happened in 1985 when Karen Severson and Laura Doyle's jealousy grew to a drastic and violent heights when they decided their prettier, more popular friend, Missy Avila, was in their way. And one of the worst things is that Missy never saw it coming, believing her friends would never betray their friendship. This would cost her her life. Michelle Yvette Avila was born on February 8th, 1968. She lived in Arletta, a suburb of L.A., in the San Fernando Valley of California, USA, with her mom, Irene, and her three brothers, Ernie, Chris, and Mark. On October 20th, 1967, Paula and Doyle Severson bought home their three-day-old adopted daughter, and they decided to name her Karen. We all know what Karens are these days. Yeah, I know. I kind of feel bad. I kind of feel bad for everybody named Karen. Yeah, right but unfortunately, this Karen would fall under one of the worst Karens you could ever meet. Karen was the only child to the Seversons. You know, she was adopted after all, and she was spoiled rotten. Karen, however, wanted to feel wanted, even though she was loved and doted upon. Knowing she was adopted, she felt something was missing and like felt rejected. I kind of, I, I totally get it because there's something about not knowing your parents, not knowing where you're from. It's, you feel like there's a hole there, like there's something missing. And I, I completely I get can it. understand that. I mean, my family came, comes from people that were adopted. We weren't even sure on my dad's side of the family until they took a DNA test what it was. But I, I, also my family took a different approach. My great grandfather always said how grateful he was to be adopted because other kids stayed in orphanages. Yeah, I feel like most adopted people are super grateful to be adopted, but that doesn't mean that True. they and I know that it's 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 a it's a very hard thing to be grateful to be adopted, love the people who raised you, but also still want to know about the people who gave birth Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, um, it's a conflict 100%. 
can totally get the feeling that something is missing. And it sucks because I feel like her adopted parents spoiled her thinking that we adopted her. If we spoil her, that'll make the difference. Up. Her, that'll make the difference. But you can't make up for birth parents. And it sucks. And that's terrible. But when Karen was eight years old, her parents bought a new home in Arletta, not far from her old neighborhood, just in the, like a, her old home, just in a different neighborhood. This move would bring joy for Karen in the form of a cute, popular new friend who introduced herself as Missy Avila. They instantly got along and realized they would be in the same class. And Missy invited Karen over to her house that same day. So it was like an instant friendship. Missy's mom, Irene, was used to Missy bringing friends over because she was like one of those likable little kids and invited Karen in for a snack and a drink. When Irene was coming back with the drinks and the snacks, she heard Karen explain how her parents were divorced and she has two sets of families and houses, almost bragging about it, which Irene found odd. But Irene just assumed it was the competitive nature of being a girl. Maybe Karen felt inferior to Missy and this was her way of trying to make herself feel better. That's I think it's more of a defense mechanism. I'm a child of divorced parents and I, I could I can see someone glamorizing it to not admit how much it sucks. But when Irene, Missy's mom, asked Paula about it, she found out it wasn't true. They are still together. And but Paula what? Yeah. But Paula brushed it off when Irene had asked her about it because she said Karen had an overactive imagination. That's not an imagination either. Th- right, but this is what lie. Paula explained to Missy's See, mom. People, parents need to stop doing that. Your kids flat out fucking lying or not having an imagination. They're just little liars. Now, if they made up a friend, that's something different. If they draw a bunch of shit on your wall, that's having an imagination. Saying that your parents are divorced when they're not is not having an imagination. It's just fucking lying. It's true. And she also said that Karen wasn't happy being an only child. And I guess Irene accepted that answer because, I mean, think about it, though. She is eight. Eight-year-olds say weird lying shit sometimes. Like, they'll just say things without realizing what the repercussions are like we've all met kids that just or maybe she heard say, it from somewhere and doesn't understand the ramifications of what it and really i think she was trying to make divorce. it seem like because and there again this might come back into the adoption process saying she has two different families maybe that was her way of trying to explain adoption i i do remember when i was in camp when i was around that age i remember we were talking about like parents and stuff and my camp counselor was like I have two sets of parents. Can anybody guess why? And everybody just looked at her like, what the fuck are you talking about? And she was like, oh, I'm adopted, but I know my birth parents, so I have two sets of parents. And I just always found that so mm-hmm. interesting. So maybe, I don't know if maybe that was like her eight-year-old trying to explain herself or whether it was just a flat-out lie to make herself... Or maybe she just wished it. Exactly, and she was trying to like make herself like, oh, I have two different houses and two different... Like trying to brag to Missy. Like I don't know if it was right. like a bragging thing, but... Later, Karen's overactive imagination, and this might make it clearer for you, turns into lies she used to manipulate people with. But it's interesting to note that this started really young for her. Like, whatever the cases may have been, it's interesting to note she was that young when the lie started. And it was the first day she met Missy. So she just, like, went right into the lying. And some experts believe Karen suffers from Machiavellianism. And according to Wikipedia, it is a personality trait centered around manipulativeness, callousness, and indifference to morality. This may sound like narcissism, but the difference between the two is that narcissists tend to be extroverted. Machiavellianists are generally introverts, and they keep these thoughts to themselves, so it's hard to diagnose. Did Maca- did Machiavelli like do any of this? That it's named. It's a after great question because he was he was like the father of philosophy. Yeah, so I have no like- idea. I don't know why they named it that way. Another trait is the inability to form a real bond with someone. So she saw Missy more as a stepping stone for popularity as they grew older, more than a real friend. I mean, you can't bond with someone who's always lying to you. So. Yeah, but the fucked up part is poor Missy's naive, uh, easily but manipulated. those are the people that someone like that goes after because they will believe you. Would be the per- like would see her as the perfect target because she knows she can manipulate her. They remained besties and they started their freshman year at Poly High High School in 1981. Karen had been low-key stewing with envy about Missy since the they first met, but high school made it so much worse for Karen because Missy really blossomed there. She got better grades, boys of all grades noticed her, teachers loved her, and Karen hated this. Hated it. And it's probably because Karen's the one that makes up the lies, yes, right? Yes. Because I can also imagine that the fact that she makes up all of these grandiose things to make her life seem better and Missy still gets more attention has to bother her. Because she's thinking, well, I'm telling you I have two families and two houses and you still like her better? 
it has to really bug and her. And then as they get older, she's getting prettier. Her grades are better. Right. And no matter what lies you tell, Missy's still getting more attention than you. And not only was she jealous because she wanted that type of attention, but she didn't want Missy's attention away from her either. So she wanted all of the attention of everyone plus Missy. Missy. Yep. Okay. This girl legit chased dudes away from Missy under the guise of being a friend and looking out for her. And the worst part is Missy completely trusted her entirely about I can see that, though. You're like, oh, she just loves me so much that she won't We've let anybody We've been friends since we were eight me. years old. We're now in high school. Like, right. she has my back. So she tells me you suck, then you suck. A year later, 14-year-old Karen was also jealous of the other girls who wanted to be friends with Missy and made sure no one came between them. So this girl was just yeah, that's beyond possessive. Wanted everyone's attention and wanted Missy's attention and wanted everybody to just, she wanted to be the center of everybody's world again it's hard to believe that what she had was not narcissism because super introverted when missy was spending too much time with this one group of girls karen went up to them saying she heard a rumor that all of them slept with the same guy and they should get tested (gasps) oh imagine she's manipulative a girl coming up to your group of friends and saying that to all of you oh my god i don't even want to know what she'd be like in her 30s when she actually knew shit. Yep. When the girls pressed Karen to tell her who started the rumor, she named Missy as the source. Of course she did, because how else is she going to break up the friendships yep. of her of Missy with other people? So the girls were shocked, but they believe Missy's best friend. Like, why would they not? Why would she lie? That's her best friend. Missy got a nasty note in her locker and like was upset about it and went running to Karen, who told her that those girls were just jealous and not to worry. She will always be her best friend. And she got what she wanted, Missy running right to her and those girls out of her life. And life got a little happier briefly for Karen after this because that same year she kept Missy all to herself. She also met a boy. His name has never been released, so I'm just going to call him Jack. Very shortly after meeting Jack, the still 14-year-old Karen realized she was with child. Her parents were obviously upset, but Karen insisted on keeping the baby. I mean, honestly, as... She is someone who wants attention from everyone. What gives you more attention than a baby? Right. But then interesting enough that you say that because five months into her pregnancy, Karen dropped out of school to avoid social judgment of her peers. So even though she wanted this baby, she still wanted their, she wanted she them. She didn't approval, want, approval want it, but she also wanted to keep the baby. This girl wants everything. Literally. After that, Jack broke up with her and Karen's self-esteem was at an all time low. And this was hard on Missy, too, if you can believe it, because she didn't have her only real friend in school anymore. I mean, Missy seemed like a good person and she and Karen chased everybody out of her life. And now she's dropped out of school and she's pregnant and Missy has nobody. And it's Karen's fault. However, Missy's naturally likable and there was no way she wasn't going to make more friends while Karen isn't around to bulldoze. And that's what happened. They grew apart during her adolescent friend's pregnancy. Like who wouldn't, though? 14 is insanely young to even comprehend motherhood, let alone be around it. But imagine like going with your friends when you're in high school your first year of high school and your friend's pregnant how can you relate or bond or do anything together i don't even relate to people who are my age that are pregnant (laughs) i can't imagine relating to them when i was 14 you know at this time missy became close with another girl named laura doyle and she didn't have karen to manipulate any of those friendships so she made friends laura is a whole nother scenario we'll get into right now laura doyle was born on may 1st 1967 also in arletta But Laura's family dynamic wasn't like Missy or Karen's. Her parents were alcoholics and addicts who fought constantly. So Laura was really shy, really introverted at school. But eventually she made friends by drinking and doing drugs with her classmates at a local park where kids gathered, including Missy and Karen. They both knew Laura. They got close enough where Missy was bringing her home to Irene, you know, Laura's uh, Missy's mom. And Laura started calling her mom. Like that's how often she was over at the house. Like with Karen, Missy's mom, Irene, welcomed Laura with open arms, and Laura was happy to have the experience of a normal family. But like Karen, Laura was also jealous of Missy's loving home and life. So even though she was embraced by this wonderful family, there was a part of her that was super jealous of her new friend and her family. Right, because when she goes home, she doesn't have that home life. Yep. Missy, oblivious that her friend was even feeling this way, liked having Laura to hang with, but she still considered Karen to be her bestie. That wasn't going to go away. Karen gave birth to a little girl in January 1983, and she was surprised at how hard being a parent to a fussy newborn was. Oh, oh was she? She was, was she surprised? surprised. I wonder why, because she was 14. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for people our age. Imagine being 14. 
Yeah, but at least people our age usually aren't surprised because they know. <laughs> so she would leave the baby with her parents and take off to Missy's house where Missy would happily entertain Karen. Like after the baby was born, she would just go, all right, grandma, grandpa, later. Bye. One day, though, something had changed. Karen walked into Missy, uh, the Avila home to find Missy in her bedroom with a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. His name was Randy Fernandez. That's when Missy first saw Karen's true nature. A flip just switched. And Karen berated and screamed at Missy, calling her a bad friend as she, Missy sat there frozen in shock and possibly fear. Bitch, you got pregnant. How do you think that happened, Osmosis? Because she tried to ask him to leave so that they could spend time together. And she was like, we're no. busy. Like, we're chilling. And she was like, walking nuts on her. What a little psycho. I'm sorry if you think that. I, I will call a 14-year-old psycho. <laughs> She's psycho. I don't care. You're, you're crazy. Well, th- think about it. This is before we were born, so she is a psycho. It's fair to say. Because at the time, you know, psychopaths are born. Like, that's just, like, the facts that they're finding more and more. Despite this very tense moment, the girls managed to patch things up as Karen used her post-baby stress as the excuse for the outburst. And Missy happily accepted the explanation. She was just so content both her friends were, like, a part of her family. Like, she just wanted that friendship, you know? Poor Missy was just happy to have friends. Have friends. I mean, she's four, this is normal 14 yep. year old shit. Missy even tried to convince T- Karen to return to Poly High School with her for 10th grade, and she agreed. But last minute, she opted, to, like, Karen changed her mind and opted to join a continuing education school named Mission High that only required minimum to graduate. And you didn't have to go full time. And I'm sure this was also to avoid her middle school and ninth grade class judgments, but Missy knew the school to be known for dropouts or kids with behavior issues, so she didn't understand why Karen wanted to go there. But Missy also probably didn't understand that Karen felt super judged having a baby. I actually, the one thing I say that I get, I get what Karen Mm -hmm. said. I get it. Missy was upset she would have to continue high school without Karen. And less than a month into dating, Missy dumped Randy due to his constant partying ways. So they don't think either of these people, any of these groups of kids are angels. They they talk about smoking weed and drinking. And I'm like, she is 14 and breaking up with someone because of his partying ways. How old are you? What what kind of party? And she's also partying and she has a friend who had a baby. So, I mean, it had to be pretty extensive for it to just be a problem for her. But then another blow sent Missy spiraling. So she's lost her best friend. She just lost dumped her boyfriend. And then her parents announced that they were separating. (gasps) No, a perfect life. Yeah. And Missy didn't take this well at all because two weeks later, she announced that she would be joining the only person she could rely on. Karen over at Mission High. So she just decided to like spite her parents. She was going to go to this alternative school for no reason. Just because she didn't want to spite her parents and wanted to be with the only person she really felt she could rely on, which was Karen. Needless to say, the girls' grades took a deep nosedive as they were pretty much more interested in partying in boys. And Karen's jealousy continued to stew as Missy still made friends far easier than Karen. And Karen wanted a good boyfriend despite motherhood. But this hate grew much worse when Missy began hooking up with the school hottie Victor Amaya. Oh, no, not the school hottie. Despite this odd jealousy, Karen still wanted to be Missy's best and more importantly, only friend. According to a a developmental psychology study in 2005, it said girls more often than boys develop feelings of exclusivity of friends and young girls are more prone to have a best friend and experience friendship jealousy than boys as well. It was also found that young girls and teen girls have a tendency to ruminate their relationship, which means reflect and think about it over and over again, almost like obsessively, which can give be problematic if you start to give in to negative thoughts. For Karen, she would not stop obsessing over the fact that Missy got everything she wanted. Why was it so hard for Karen and so easy for Missy? She just couldn't get it. She couldn't stop thinking about it over and over and over. If you don't like it, be better. Her feelings of friendship towards Missy started to change into serious hate, and Karen wanted Missy to pay for, well, being Missy. At some point in that year, Karen, who had no, no issues starting lies for her own ego, began spreading a rumor that Missy slept with another girl's boyfriend. Unlike the last time where Missy got a little note in her locker, the girls at Mission were a little harder, and the guy's girlfriend responded to the rumor by beating Missy down. After her ass whooping and calling her a few names, the girl turned to Missy and said she can thank Karen for the beating. <gasps> I'm kind of glad the girl told her, mm-hmm. though, because she needed to know who the fuck Karen was. Missy was hurt and confused, especially since Karen knew Missy didn't even know the guy. So she started a rumor about a guy she doesn't even speak to. I have a PSA for anybody who's really, really young listening to this. OK, let me tell you something. Even if that was true, why would you beat up the girl? You're going to get older and you're going to realize that your issue was with the guy and not with the girl. Women have to stop confronting each other 
and beating each other over the transgressions of men or of another partner. I consider myself... I've said this before, an equalist, but the problem with equality is that women aren't equal to men yet. And so that makes me more feminist, if I have to be honest about it. And I think women have to start understanding, especially at a very young age, that we are not in competition with each other. We have to work together. And that's the problem. Right. Men work together. They always defend each other. They always start. And that's why things are the way they are is because we're so busy fighting each other. We're not fighting the things that actually matter. Right. Like if I have a boyfriend. I can't sit there and beat you up because I'm like, you stole my boyfriend. My boyfriend is the one who owes me something. So you know what? Yeah, I'm probably not going to like you because like, okay, you're kind of stuck. And I'm going to go up to you and be like, yo, not cool. Not cool. I'm going to go up. I'll probably go up to him and punch him in the face. Like, I I just. I agree. We have to start young and start teaching uh, younger boys, younger girls, younger everybody. The loyalty is supposed to come from your significant other. And if they do something to betray you. That is the person you have to place blame on. Also, you should probably confirm that it actually happened. Exactly. Just like the first step should be like, maybe I should ask. So, of course, what did Karen do? She explained it away like last time, saying that it was a lie and that the girls must be jealous of them. So they beat her up and blame it on Karen because they're jealous of them. Does that make it? That doesn't make any sense. But somehow Missy bought it. Because she's naive. She's naive. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Completely naive. And because she has spent at this point, how old are they? 14? Oh, probably 15 at this point. Yeah. 15? Mm, she has spent seven years getting manipulated by by uh, Karen. So she's going to believe the everything. The fucked up part mouth. is deep down this altercation satisfied Karen, making her feel like the score was she settled. She fucking loved it. On what? What score was there to settle? She's just living her life, making friends, having boyfriends. and It's not like she wronged you. It's not her fault that she's just a better human being than you are and everybody likes her. Karen also became even happier after this because she finally got what she wanted, a boyfriend. The only downside... Are you ready for this? It was Missy's ex, Randy Fernandez. Of course it was. Why wouldn't it be? You would think this would create problems for Missy, right? No, the reverse. No, because Missy's not a piece of shit. Missy was so happy for her. And she swore she had zero feelings for Randy. She was happy for her. I would have been super petty and been like, half fell with my sloppy second. That's the thing. I'm not about Eskimo sisters. That's what that's what it's called. Right. The Eskimo brothers when you yeah. sleep with the same person. So Eskimo sisters. We should, we should say that. If I would have been say, like, um, I'm not about the Eskimo life. So that's that's my thing. Like, we're not going to be Eskimo sisters. I can't be friends with my husband's ex-girlfriends. That's just fucking weird. Like, I'm just not like, I'm not that cool. I'm so, I know there are people that are totally cool about that or like, oh, yeah, invite them. You guys are still cool. Come to brunch. No, thank you. I'm good. They're exes for a reason. Whatever. If it were me, that's how I explain it. I'd be like, listen, I'm not cool with it. It's not that I don't care. I just like, it's a little weird for me, but do you? That's kind of how I would go about it. But Karen was shocked that she felt this way. She probably wanted her to be upset about it so that she could be like, oh, I have him and you're upset about it. And again, Missy was the better person. But problem was, was Randy still liked Missy despite dating her best friend. Because remember, Randy was like her first relationship and he she dumped She's him for party. So off. of course yeah. he's more interested in her. Karen knew this fact. And instead of, of course she taking it out on the person responsible, Randy, as we were just talking about, and that's why I said you just stole the like towards the end, like right. you stole it because she steered her hate even more into Missy. Because apparently it's all Missy's fault that the guy that is dating her knowingly likes her her friend he decides to date the girl that dumped him's best friend that he still likes and it's somehow and it's somehow missy's fault so this caused friction between their relationship and karen decided to retreat so she actually decided to hang out more with randy and less with missy as a result so that's fine leave her alone and as karen halted their friendship missy turned toward her other friend laura doyle for companionship so she was like all right we're gonna hang out less like i guess i'll go chill with my other girl like you know that's that is kind of what happened because obviously again missy's the one who knows how to make friends so it's like okay cool i have other friends exactly The situation between Missy and Laura, though, was also a little awkward because Laura was... Again, you said that, too. Well... Like, you you said that she also was jealous of her. Right, but things get even more awkward now because Laura was now seeing Victor Amaya. Oh, come on! And Missy, once again, swore she was happy for them, saying they only hooked up a few times. So, like, she never considered him a boyfriend. Like, like I said, she was just fooling around with the school hottie. They never said, like, they were officially together. They just kind of hooked up here and there. But it was never serious Laura seemed to believe Missy more than Karen did. Like, that was Missy's impression. She felt like Laura believed her. At least that's what Missy thought. By summer 1985, now 17-year-old Missy had a new boyfriend, too, whose name was also never released, so I just named him Adam. Okay, cool. So the three young women, despite some distance, all seemed happy, except deep down, Laura and Karen weren't. 
they were still paranoid that their men were still wanted Missy, despite the fact that she was in another relationship and despite the fact and that it's been like two years. Right. Karen decided she and Randy needed to leave Arletta. So they rented an apartment the next town over, a place called Panorama City. So, so in the 80s, did 17-year-olds just like... I guess so. I mean, then again, she had a baby at 14. So by 17, she was totally an adult. And I'm pretty sure, it, more than likely, her parents, like she was spoiled, rented the apartment for yeah. her. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the situation at all. Laura, then 18, didn't have the same luxury to move to... And to her dismay, Missy and her boo, Victor, were still friends. It's not like with Randy where she dumped him or whatever. There was awkwardness. Right. Victor and Missy were still cool. Like, again, they'd never officially dated. They just kind of hooked up. Nothing happened. So and they were friends. But they decided to remain friends. But Laura could not tolerate it. Like, she was so upset about it. Believing she would see sparks when they would talk and often flirtatious conversations. Laura was ever vigilant and paranoid of her very own friend. So even when she was around Victor, it was just like really awkward. Her suspicions were confirmed in her mind when she caught Victor calling Missy late one night to complain about Laura's possessive ass behavior. So he called Missy to complain as a friend about Laura. And naturally, that's that's Missy's fault. It's like, no, I just don't like you and your possessive shit. And instead of doing the, the rational and mature thing of confronting the issues, both Karen and Laura kept pretending everything was fine between them, mainly knowing Missy was the popular one and they would be out of the limelight without her friendship. One day that same summer of 1985, Karen invited Missy over to see her new place. Despite obvious tension, Missy, of course, wanted to see her best friend's new place. So she went like she's still a good friend. She wants to support her friend. So remember, she's now living with Randy, Missy's ex-boyfriend, and Karen's younger daughter was living there too. So they were all hanging, joking around, laughing, you know, like friends do. Then the phone rang. And mind you, this is landline phone. So Karen had to leave the room to go answer it. Then people had to go walk to their phones. Randy decided to use this opportunity to pull Missy onto his lap and express he still had feelings for her and asked her if she felt the same. In his apartment with his girlfriend and their a young child, he pulls his ex-girlfriend onto his lap. Sounds like a sounds like a gem. Yeah, exactly. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> Before Missy could even react or move, Karen re-entered the room and saw Missy on Randy's lap. Of course she did. There was a tense moment of silence as all of Karen's fears and suspicions were confirmed. Karen screamed at you guess it, Missy. And told her to leave. Missy tried to reason with her and explained she didn't want Randy and encouraged her to dump him. Like, you left the room and he tried to ask me out. But Karen told her she needed to leave before things got, quote, violent. Missy left stunned at all that had happened as Karen went over to Randy to slap him mad hard across the face. Much deserved. I mean, he deserved that. Yeah. And she told him she was leaving. And when she came home, he better be out. Like, so obviously, like I said. So she did leave him. But she also blamed Missy. Like, that doesn't make any sense. In Karen's mind, this was the last time Missy Avila would ever take anything away from her again. And Karen decided revenge would turn deadly. A week after the fight, Karen and Missy apologized, not because she cared for their friendship or because she missed her friend of almost 10 years, but because she was shaping a plan to humiliate and destroy her nemesis. Missy, unsure of her sudden change of heart being and being an understanding person, still forgave Karen, knowing she had jealous tendencies and would blow up at her in the past and she figured this was like the end of the tension she's like you know what we go through these weird tense periods it's fine the two meet at colby canyon a favorite hiking spot in angles forest a place they frequented so much they carved their names into a tree it read karen and missy best friends forever so the summer ended on a good note by the time senior year began the drama immediately followed but this time it was between laura and missy laura and victor fought all summer about Missy, and it drove Victor to the point where he broke things off. And of course, Laura blamed it all on Missy. Yeah, because obviously that's Missy's fault. She gave them both space, but a week after the breakup, she went to visit her friend Victor to check in on him. So Missy went to go check on Victor a week after the breakup. They were standing outside his porch as he was explaining what really happened between them, and Missy grew upset, not understanding why her two friends were always thinking she was trying to steal her man. Like, she was like, dude, I don't understand this. Like, what am I doing? As he hugged her to comfort her, he realized he might still have a thing for her. He kissed her on the cheek and she looked up kind of surprised because she's still with the guy she was. She's still without him. And he went into lean to kiss her again. But then suddenly they hear the sound of a car horn honking. As they turned to look across the street, they saw Laura parked in her car, staring daggers at the both of them. Missy told Victor to go talk to Laura. When he got to the car, Laura demanded to know why Missy was there. He explained that 
She was just there checking in, their friends, like, you know, whatever. As Laura looked at Missy standing on the porch, she muttered so low that Victor could hardly make it out at first, but he said he heard Laura say, I'm going to kill Missy. Before he could even respond, Laura sped off. Victor was shocked and glad Missy didn't hear it, believing it was just something said out of anger, like he was like, whatever, she's pissed off. Missy was concerned about the status of her friendship with Laura as Karen somehow managed to make matters worse for herself at the same time, because Karen was once again pregnant. This time it was with Randy's baby. But Karen didn't want to raise this child alone like she had the first. She wanted Randy to be involved. Now she saw Missy as a serious threat to this plan, fearing Randy would leave her and the baby for Missy. Karen went to next level crazy when she went over to the Avila home to tell Irene, Missy's mom, that her daughter was sleeping with other girls' boyfriends and Missy was going to get into trouble. Irene was shocked by Karen's behavior, but didn't tell Missy about this encounter either. So now this is the second person that didn't tell so Victor didn't tell Missy about Laura saying she was going to kill her. Because everybody her mom, probably isn't taking it very seriously. And her mom is not telling her. But the thing is, is this girl's getting bullied by both of these people repeatedly. So you would think, and this is what's interesting about bullying now versus bullying then. People would just say, oh, these are all little things that add up. There is this British play that I remember seeing in middle, in middle school or high school. I can't remember. And it was called The Inspector. The Inspector Came. I believe that's what it's called. It's a British play. And it's about this this family that's super rich and one of their maids commits suicide and they don't even know the maid like there's so many maids they don't know who she is but they find out little by little throughout the play that every little thing someone did led to this person's suicide and i think it's the same thing with bullying even if it leads to murder or or someone making someone kill themselves little things add up and those are the things that you have to kind of acknowledge and i think that we've gotten better as a society with that because we're sure we're a little overly sensitive but we're understanding how little things add up to I one do big think, thing though, that the younger generation there it's not better for them because now you have social media as an oh, added yeah. layer of bullying it's bad. we didn't have that you it also didn't follow you home so I didn't get to log That's on true. to something and see a bunch of people talking about me. I just kind of only heard it in school and then I went home and my life went back to normal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like while I think the older generation maybe got better about it, younger generations have. Oh, no, I and- think we're getting better about it, like seeing the signs. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't we think can we're, see the signs. I don't think we're, we're not better, getting better about bullying. We're not better about bullying. I think we're, we're better at acknowledging that there is an issue when little things added up before people would brush it off. Now people are kind of saying, yeah, because they basically not were cool. just like, oh, it's nothing. It's not a big deal. But like now it's kind of just like every. No, it is a big deal. Irene brushed that off as just like her jealous streak and like, you know, kind of crazy. But again, it's interesting how so many people can dismiss people's like horrible behavior. It's just it's shocking. 17 year old Karen also began talking trash about Missy with someone else that September. 18 year old Laura Doyle. Both believed Missy was the cause of the demise of both their relationships. But Karen felt way more threatened versus Laura because she's pregnant. Right. And more so Laura was following Karen. She's an introvert. She's shy. She's quiet. She's a follower. Like she she was happy to have someone else share in her pain because she was so hurt by Victor. It's not clear how the conversation went down, but it's obvious Karen was the one that led it to a more serious territory, and they made their plan to teach Missy a lesson. She would never steal another man's again. Ten days before the plan to take Missy down, Karen and Missy ran into each other at Strather Park, another local drinking and hangout spot. Karen's paranoia was at an all-time high. She couldn't hold back as she shouted obscenities at Missy at some point, threatening her with a broken beer bottle, then slapping her across the face. The teens around them were shocked. Sure, they noticed Karen's jealousy, but they never thought it would turn into an altercation. However, this was only the beginning. Because 10 days later, on October 1st, 1985, at about 3 p.m., Missy told her mother, Irene, that she was going out with one of her friends, Laura Doyle, to the park and that she would be home no later than 8 o'clock. Laura picked Missy up and the two left. Little did Irene know that would be the last time she would see her daughter alive. Karen, meanwhile, had two friends staying over at her apartment, a guy I'll call Matt, he never wanted to be revealed, and his girlfriend, Eva Tarumbolo. Karen asked Eva to come hang out with her as Matt was at work, knowing Laura was bringing Missy to Canyon Park. It's never been clear. She's never explained why she invited Eva last minute to go along. But I think this is my suspicion. Like when I was reading it, I suspected Karen thought seeing someone else not in the triangle of like the trio of entanglement may have put ease into Missy's mind. Like she must, she's like, oh, there's somebody else here. Like I'm not here with two people that have been bullying me that are my friends, especially after, after Karen's outburst less than two weeks before that. Like I'm sure she was already really nervous to be around her. Even worse than that, she lied to Eva. Eva was under the impression they were going to Karen's grandmother's house for dinner, not aware they were even heading to a park, let alone to exact 
revenge on a girl she didn't even know. So as Missy and Laura pull up to the park, Kara and Eva were waiting. As if on cue, Laura jumps out of the car and Laura and Karen begin yelling at one another. So like they're pretending they're in the middle of a fight. Missy was confused as Laura climbed back into the car and drove up to their hangout spot, Camp Colby, as Karen followed behind. Karen told Eva that this was all a trick and they were simply trying to scare Missy. Once they got into the spot, uh, which is Colby Canyon, Karen and Laura turned to Missy and stated they were not mad at each other, but at her. Missy thought they were going to do something bad like beat her up or leave her on the mountain with no way back down. As they led Missy up the path, Eva followed behind the trio, hearing Missy crying. They got to the stream where they usually partied, and Karen directed Missy to a rock on the edge of the stream. As poor Missy sat on the rock crying, she was verbally abused about sleeping with other people's boyfriends. She sat there sobbing, trying to think of what to say to her friends to believe she did no such things. At some point, Laura reached over and pulled Missy's hair back, forcing her head up. That's when Karen grabbed a knife from her pocket and began chopping off large chunks of Missy's hair. Why do girls always go after the hair? Walter Torres, a research psychologist, states that humiliation is often a prime a primary motive for vengeance, especially those who feel wronged without knowing how to retaliate. Humiliation often leads to obsessive thoughts of finding a way to rectify it. And these girls felt wronged by Missy. So cutting off her hair was a way to rec- reclaim power over her, taking away that beauty and symbol of popularity. As they cut Missy's hair, Laura went to the middle of the stream and ordered Missy to join her. Despite Missy refusing, Karen pushed her off the rock and towards the stream. Laura lunged at her, grabbing her arm and pulling her into water no more than eight inches deep, where it was starting to feel dangerous despite the shallow water. So they were beating her up. But meanwhile, Eva, who had been watching from the sidelines and was now scared, ran towards the cars. She found they were both locked and being on a mountain, she had no choice but to go back to see if she can get the keys from Karen. As she's talking herself into walking back with a bad feeling in her gut, she was hoping things had calmed down, hoping they did in fact just scare Missy. As she was having these thoughts, Eva heard a life-threatening, nightmare-deafening scream. At the clearing, Laura and Karen were holding Missy down in the eight-inch dim water, just enough water to have her struggle, and being held down by two people who are comfortable with the use of force made it impossible to her to come up for air. The girls took down running towards their cars where Eva was waiting. And when Eva saw them barreling towards their cars with panic looked on their faces and without Missy, she knew her feeling was sadly correct. Hey, this is what bothers me, right? You had no problem doing this with a fucking witness. So you have like, no, maybe because I would never do it. But if I was going to do something like that and all of a sudden I saw a witness, I'd be like, dude, we got to abort the plan. Second of all, how dare you run or run with a panic look on your face when you fucking plan this shit. So if you're woman enough to think that you can take someone else's life, don't you dare run away with a fucking panic look on your face. So Karen sped off in her car, and as she got in the car, as Laura was heading towards her car, she was shouting at Eva to get in. Once in the car, Eva was too afraid to even ask what happened. I would not. I would just keep my fucking mouth shut and pray that I get home. But imagine, you're visiting your boyfriend's friend, you think you're going to a dinner, and you see some shit like this, like... I would be so fucking petrified. I would just be like, please get me home. Please get me somewhere safe. Well, this might actually, this makes me feel better because this is what happened. Even though she was too afraid to ask what happened, this didn't stop Laura from confessing. In between laughing, crying, and screaming, she told Ava that they had killed Missy. Laura also stopped also stopped the car, so she suddenly just stopped and wondered if they should go back to see if Missy was still alive. Eva, now sick to her stomach and panicking, couldn't tell if Laura wanted to try to save Missy or make sure she was dead. I feel like she wants to make sure she's dead. Like, because if she had said, I want to see if Missy's okay, she would be concerned. But if she said, I want to see if Missy's dead or she wants to see if Missy's alive, I think she's she just said, more concerned She said, I wonder if we dead. should go back to see if Missy was still alive. Yeah, no, she wants to make sure she's dead. Yep. She was too afraid to go back. So she, wanting to escape the hell, convinced Laura it was too dark and too late. And Laura agreed. Eva later stated she made a horrible mistake in that moment, but was beyond petrified to spend another minute, let alone hour, with Laura and Karen. I can see both sides of that conflict. I can see it too. Four hours later at about eight o'clock, so like they had left at about three, we're guessing the murder was about four, about eight o'clock, Laura called Missy's mother Irene because I also suspect that she knew she was supposed to be home at that hour. Right, right. Laura called Irene asking to speak to Missy. So she's going to ask. Mm-hmm. Oh, is Missy home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's Missy? Irene was confused because she thought her daughter was with Laura and she told her so Laura then said she dropped Missy off with three boys driving a blue Camaro at the park who Missy seemed to know right after getting gas so Laura went to go get gas she claimed she returned to get 
to park to get Missy, but she and the three boys were gone. So it's not bad enough that you killed her daughter and now you're calling her mother to act like something. You're going to act like her daughter really went off with three boys. That's wonderful for you to do to her mother. Laura, like, made it seem like, well, I thought by now she'd be home. Like, she, like she's doing the whole, like, she should be home. I mean, you know, I don't get this. Da, da, da. Like, seeming like a concerned friend. You know, to lie to your mom's, your friend's mom who treated you like a daughter and you killed her only daughter. Like, talk about fucking dirty. Irene filed a missing persons report the next night and a search began. What were the murderers doing meanwhile? Well, Laura kept going to work and hardly got involved in the search party. Meanwhile, Karen took a Karen approach. She part, She was part of the, she led the search party. Oh, she did. She went over to Missy's house the next day. The search began, looked Irene right in the eyes and promised to find her. Yeah, of course you can find her because you fucking killed her. You know exactly where she is. And she spent three days there comforting Irene. Three days. So, you, so you're sitting there pretending to be a good person knowing where her daughter is and letting her fucking rot. Yeah, basically. She's letting, knowing full well where her daughter is, knowing full well what she did. And, you know, it's it's one of, I know that like killers go back to the scene of their crime and shit like that and all that, but this is like some other shit. On October 5th, three days after the murder, Missy's body was found at the canyon in, in Angeles National Park by two hikers who frequented the area. And get this, these people are so, like, there all the time. They noticed that a four-foot log was moved to a stream. Like, they noticed that a four-foot log was missing from the path. And they followed it to the stream and below lied, lied Missy face down. As far as we knew, like, until when what Eva saw, she thought maybe they beat them down and left her up there. These girls picked up a four-foot log to make sure that they weighed this woman down. There was a Detective Gray who was uh, lead of the case now, and she was a f- it, important to know it's a female. That kind of makes a difference later on in the case. It doesn't sound like it should, but it does. Not only noticing the bruising indicating she had been assaulted first, but she took note of the haphazard chopping of Missy's hair. She felt this was a distinctly feminine form of violence, despite being told by Laura that the last people seen with Missy were men. But the funny thing about Detective Gray is she kept that piece of evidence to herself. She didn't even tell Irene that Missy's hair had been chopped off. So let's keep that in mind. Police combed through every Camaro registered in California based off of Laura's story. But Detective Gray kept getting kept, um, you know, kept going nowhere with it because it's a fucking bullshit lead. Yeah. Meanwhile, Irene is a mess. And who comes to her side? Of course, Karen. She began her own unofficial investigation. How sweet of her. And was involved in every search. She spoke with police and detectives about possible, quote, leads, even going as far as... I have a lead. It's you. But get this, dude. She went as far as moving her pregnant ass and her kid into Irene's house. fucking kid. I'm sorry. But there's, like, psychopaths and sociopaths, and then there's her. Psychopath, sociopaths, and then there's Karen. (laughs) Because I've heard of, like you said, uh, you know, killers returning to the scene of the crime... We've heard of them showing up to like vigils. We've heard of them d- going to their funerals. We haven't heard of them moving into the fucking house of the parents or anybody else associated with that. I think that's just insane. Obviously, she gets caught because we know about this story. And I'm glad she did because I cannot imagine what the fuck she would have done as an adult. And this is like you said, it's evil and deceptively and deceptive morally. But this was also smart on Karen's part. Of course, it was smart. Any new information, leads, ideas, thoughts all went through her. She, no, she's incredibly smart. That's why she's able to do this because now you're able to filter out leads. If anything is about maybe you, you wouldn't. You can see it. Push that one through, but then ones that you you obviously know which ones are bullshit, and you're just straying the police all the way in another direction. Yep, and it was all about self preservation, but it also feels like she was trying to officially replace Missy, so it's super fucking creepy. Well, she was always jealous of her and wanted her life. There you go. Meanwhile, Laura went to the memorial and sent a card, but she was very distant. Many thought she felt guilty for leaving Missy and those guys. Like that's kind of what they thought. No, but they thought, oh, they feel bad that she left her with the boys in the Camaro and that was the last time they saw her. Like, they thought she felt guilty about being the last person to, like, leave her. Oh, so that's what. That's what people, like, brush it off as. Like, oh, she's not at the search parties and she's not there because she feels bad. Like, you know, poor Laura. Like, she, if she had never left to get gas, then Missy might still be alive. Like, that's kind of, like, how people justified Laura's distance. And Eva was staying the fuck away from everyone because she was scared she would get killed. She was terrified. Meanwhile, Karen continued to steer the investigation away from her. Her sham investigation included Missy's friends and family, Missy's brothers. And at some point, she even went back to the scene of the crime, like most of them do, to see if the cops missed anything. Yeah, they, they missed whatever evidence you left Deep behind. down, we know she was there to relive the killing. She told the group she had never even been there before. But 
This would come to bite her in the ass briefly because one of Missy's brothers found the tree with his sister's name and Karen's name carved into it. So obviously they've been there before. Right. And I wonder why he didn't question this harder when someone took a knife and sliced through the declaration, despite her denial she was even there before. So she was so deceptive. She was able to convince her mob-like friends seeking justice for Missy into believing Missy's ex-boyfriend killed her. Which ex-boyfriend might you be asking? Yeah, which one? Randy Hernandez, a.k.a. her baby daddy. I wish you could see my face right now. I wish you guys like, could I wish too. Pe- I, I wish to pe- I wish the She pinned see it on her right own baby daddy. And why? Because when they found the carvings all slashed, Karen claimed that since she had never been up there, she could switch these tactics. She was like, wait, I, I started this lie. I can kind of manipulate it. The tree carvings also had Randy and Karen 1985 engraved into it. But that was also slashed through. She made the group believe it was Randy that put them up and he was the one that was there to kill her. That's how she was able to convince people. The accusation, like as insane as it was, it's insane logic. But due to the fact that Randy was the unrequited lover, it made sense to their logic. And plus, right, they, they still have to investigate it because they were so hell bent on finding justice for her that anything they had no leads. They would they would have taken anything. And that made sense to them. The accusation was out there once Karen told everyone and the community believed it, too. Karen was the head crusader to the point where she encouraged the group to seek their own justice against Randy. Another of Missy's ex, Victor Amaya, and the group hatched a plan to kill Randy. She's going to kill her own baby father to cover up her original murder. They cornered him at a supposed party that Karen took him to, where he was jumped and beaten with steel toe boots, all while Karen watched. Pregnant with his baby. Yep. They left Randy for dead on the street. Though he was barely conscious, he recalled Karen exclaiming that they had killed him. He made it to the hospital, but refused to press charges or even tell the police what happened for fear of being retaliated by his pregnant girlfriend or now ex-girlfriend. Jesus fucking Christ. When Karen found out Randy lived, she aborted the baby. She was so steadfast to this lie. She decided not to, not to have a baby with a kid with a guy she lived with and an innocent guy's kid at that. Karen wasn't done with Randy yet. She really wanted him gone, thinking if he was dead, he couldn't prove his innocence, not even considering the fact that this could lead to her incarceration for his murder. Talk about single-minded. Damn. But this was not just about murder and trying to pin it. She still wanted to hurt Randy because he was still in love with Missy. She tried to talk to Victor and another guy into trying to kill Randy once more, but the guys expressed their doubts. Like, all right, we already tried. They didn't work. Well, they started to express like doubts because they believe that because they're not psychopathic. Well, they just said their grief wasn't letting them see things clearly. That's kind of like the logic. Now they're kind of like, all right, this doesn't make sense. This isn't who we are. This screwed up Karen's plan. So she needed a new Patsy fast. Laura had largely kept clear of the Avila home. Unlike Karen, she was not doing well with living with the guilt. She was drinking and doing drugs heavily. Depression set in, though her parents were too addicted to notice themselves. Time went by and the police had nada. No Camaro, no leads, nothing. They were hoping for a miracle to solve the case that was looking to go very, very cold. Suddenly, in September of 87, almost two years after the murder, Karen called Irene and said Laura was ready to tell what really happened the last time she saw Missy. Irene was shocked. She was like, what do you mean? Like, So you're going to throw Laura under the bus even though you're part of that? No, no. This gets even weirder. So listen to this. Laura said the blue Camaro story was a lie. So Laura started telling a different version. She now claims she drove Missy down to Los Angeles where Missy was meeting a dealer who she owed $500 to. Oh, so now, so now first Missy went off with three boys and now she's a drug addict. Well, she, they all did drugs, but now she's trying to make it seem like she was like in trouble. Like she, she, there could have been like a gangster or a dealer involved in this, in this missing person. Missy told Laura that his dealer was going to take her home. So like now she's putting it on the dealer who was supposed to drive her back to Arletta from L.A. When pressed, Laura said she didn't want people upset Missy was dealing. So she tried to make it seem like Missy was getting into the deal. Oh, aren't you a good friend? But police were suspicious of her practice story. They chased the lead and nothing came up because duh, it's a lie. No reason was ever given why they changed their story. But knowing Karen, it was because attention was dwindling from the case and she got used to the attention of being like right. the crusader. The one that whose best friend died and she was the one looking for the killer. And like she finally is getting all this attention. She pressed Laura so hard that she got the truth out of her now. Now we can go on and continue looking further because like she's such a narcissist that she craves this attention. And she got used to that over two years. But two years of a cold case, you're not getting the same attention anymore. The case died once again. And Karen felt like she got away with murder. But they forgot about one very loose end. 
Eva Chirambolo. So we're fast forwarding to 1998. Eva's brother committed suicide. And when he died, she truly comprehended what the pain was that the family must have been going through. And she knew she had to confess. So on July 26, 1988, and mind you, she died October 1st, 85. So she kept with this for almost three years in silence. She called the police and Detective Gray went to her home, hoping this would be the break she desperately needed. Eva told her everything. And even Detective Gray was shocked. She couldn't believe it at first, but then it made sense given the girl's behaviors and stories. To ensure this wasn't another story, Gray pressed her for proof and Eva mentioned her hair being chopped off. Which she had never told anybody. Only someone there would have known. No one else knew that fact. Only the Emmys and the police involved. No other person outside knew. The girls were charged the next day. 20-year-old Karen was charged with first-degree murder and 20-year-old Laura Doyle got the same. In March 1990, Karen and Laura were convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. Why didn't they get first? Because the jurors didn't believe that the murder was premeditated. They didn't think that was premeditated? Nope. Where are they now? Actually, they may live near you. Karen Severson was released from prison on December 9th, 2011, after serving 23 and a half years. Laura Doyle was released from prison in December 2012 after serving 22 years. They're in their 40s. Mm -hmm. I cannot find a single thing on Laura Doyle like where she is now. But to show you how little Karen has changed once out of prison, she wrote a memoir about the crime. Of course she did. I killed my best friend. And made a deal to have the film produced. And of course, didn't even have the balls to tell Missy's families first. Luckily, Irene was alive and beyond pissed, so the Avila family sued Karen in 2015, seeking to take profits off the sales. Good. As a result of this, though, according to Wikipedia, the state of California passed Missy's Law, which requires people helping criminals write published works to contact the families of the victims. Karen ran her mouth off trying to deny things on Dr. Phil a few years ago. So if you care to look into what she has to say, because she hasn't really changed, let's be honest, narcissists and sociopaths do not really change. If you care to take a look, you can type in her name. She was on Dr. Phil. This is another example of extreme bullying. And we, meaning women, must stick up for one another when we see a girl on girl violation, even at the tiniest amount, because you never know where it can lead. And that is this tragic case of Missy Avila and her really, really bad best friends. And it was like for no reason. She did nothing wrong. She did nothing but be, to, to be someone who everybody liked. How is that her fault? So that's the case. And, um, you know, I thought there's a there's a movies and books on it. So I got a lot of information, a lot from, you know, uh, a lot of websites. There's a lot of detail in this case. But I think it's a, a giant warning sign to uh, to women to always look out for each other, even if someone did you dirty in your opinion. It doesn't mean that you have to take it to the extreme. It doesn't mean that. You have to learn to forgive each other because men forgive each other all the time. And we have to stop being in this constant competition with each other. We're, we shouldn't be. It's not a competition. I didn't sign up for one. Life I don't is not be a competition. One. And we shouldn't make it female and female competition at that. You should, the only person you should compete with is yourself. Just keep becoming better versions of yourself. For you to sit there and blame someone else for not being as likable as you and actually take that out on them is horrendous. And it was, like I said, Missy didn't sign up to be in a competition with her best friend. She was just a friend that was just loyal and naive and just vulnerable and believe shit. And Karen is awful. Amen, sister. Like, I kind of am intrigued to see what she has to say, but it's probably going to infuriate me and I'm going to want to punch her in Trust the throat. Me. And I was going to add more, but I was like, you know what? Everything she says is a lie anyway. So why would I include this? No, don't even waste the breath. I just, I'm glad that there was some sort of justice for Missy, but I just feel bad for her poor mom. I get that they spent a majority of more of their life in prison than they did outside when they were released. But if they live until they're 80, they're going to get way more of life outside of and prison. And see, my thing is, is like Laura at least was humble enough to disappear. Karen is still being a Karen and going on TV and trying to like sit, tell her side of the story. And there is no side. Lauren's at least like, you know what? I got out of prison. I'm going to go try to live a life. And I'm not talking about this anymore. But Karen has to, again, always have the attention on her. Awful person. She's the worst. Okay, so I'm going to lighten this up a little bit. Let's do it. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Our favorite HuffPost.com. In our favorite state to make fun of. And it's right in the title. Florida woman yep. survives being hit by a flying turtle. And there's a quote right under here that, and this just happened on April 22nd. And there's a quote here that says, I swear to God, this lady has the worst luck of anything. This is from the woman's daughter. She told this to the 911 operator. Wow. So she's in our club. Yeah. <laughs> I'm empathizing with someone from Florida. Wow. So this is Daytona Beach, Florida. 
It is not unusual for rocks and other debris to crash through a windshield and injure a driver or passenger. Remember that year that people were throwing turkeys or something like that? Yeah, off and yeah, yeah totally. But a turtle? A 71-year-old woman riding with her daughter on Florida's Interstate 95 suffered a gashed forehead Wednesday when a turtle smashed through the windshield of their car, striking her, the Daytona Beach News Journal reports. The daughter pulled over and got help from another motorist. According to a 911 recording, both were surprised by what they found. Quote, there is a turtle in there, the man can be overheard saying, so this motorist was definitely fucking shocked. A turtle, the daughter exclaimed. An actual turtle? Like, I probably would have had the same reaction. The gas drew a lot of blood, but the woman was not seriously hurt. The turtle was likely crossing the interstate and got knocked into the air by another vehicle. Quote, I swear to God, this lady has the worst luck of anything, the daughter told the 911 operator as she tended to her injured mother. The turtle, on the other hand, had the best luck of anything. It just had a few scratches on its shell and was released back into the nearby woods. Port Orange police officer Andre Flubbins. And it's so funny because the whole time I'm hearing you say this and I'm going, how's the turtle? How's the turtle? <laughs> when I read this article, I was like, I'm going to read this first. And if the turtle got seriously hurt, I'm not going to use this one. And when I saw that the turtle just had a couple scratches, I was like, okay, I can use it. Because I'm one of those people like when I was in, because uh, I, I lived in Swampland for a long time, aka Florida. And not a long time, but it felt like a long time. And, <laughs> and yeah, because one regular year is like five years five, in Florida. Yeah, I feel like I did it's time. like one month is a year. It's like out of time. I remember animals always crossing and me being like, I'm going to go to like three miles an hour. I know it's terrible, but I'm one of those people. I can watch horror movies. I can watch slasher films. But if I see a pet or animal hurt, I'm like, no. I actually, I will turn it off. Like I have watched shows where seasons in something happens to an animal and I will literally be like, okay, I'm never watching this again. I, oh, the I whole time like I'm thinking, it. is the turtle okay? Is the turtle okay? I knew it too. I was like, I was like, I'm, go- I'm like, I can't wait for Chrissy to hear the turtle's okay. The turtle was fine. Yes. And the woman was fine. Happily ever after, but a hilarious Florida story nonetheless. Only in Florida. Only in fucking You know Florida. what, though? We should be just grateful that it's not like an alligator. Yeah. Because that's that's usually Florida. And not just that, too. That would have hurt a hell lot more. That thing would have caused some serious damage. Turtles, they just hop in their shells. They're pretty timid creatures. So, oh, too much. Too funny. Like, subscribe, leave a comment on our Instagram, follow us on Twitter, all that jazz. But most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.